Welcome to the Winter Maintenance Podcast, Episode 16, Part 2 of the Talking Operations Webcast on Road Weather Management. I'm Dwayne Collett. On March 14, 2007, the National Transportation Operations Coalition, or the NTOC, sponsored a Talking Operations Web Conference on Road Weather Management. NTOC granted the Winter Maintenance Podcast permission to record and publish the audio portion of the webcast. So you can listen to these presentations on your MP3 player or iPod while you're commuting to or from work. The webcast audio has been divided into five parts, each covering a topic of the webcast. The complete webcast with audio and the presentation slides will be available from the NTOC website. I've put a link to the NTOC website in the episode notes. This episode contains a presentation on Claris by Ralph Patterson of Utah DOT. Well, now I'd like to go ahead and move into um, our uh, targeted presentation. The first one, which is going to be about Claris. Before I introduce our first speaker, Ralph Patterson, I will um, like to just give a little bit of um, overview about the Claris Initiative uh, before Ralph speaks. Okay, first, uh, this slide is one that, that uh, shows the number of environmental sensor stations that have been deployed by uh, state departments of transportation uh, across the country. And if we start with this and recognize that there right now is a huge investment by the state DOTs to monitor the conditions, weather conditions and road conditions along the nation's highway, we see that there, this is a, um, an incredible uh, resource and something that we think um, can be capitalized on, I guess, to put it in one way. Um, Again, millions of dollars spent by the states to, to monitor. We are now looking at how to work with the states to make the most of those investments. So what, what we see as a critical step in, in achieving that objective is to assimilate the data and make the data available to the uh, public and private sector community who could, who could utilize that information and use, utilize those observations to provide better road weather information. So that is uh, sort of the heart of the Claris Initiative, which is one of the nine ITS initiatives that were that was started uh, about two years, a little over two years ago. Uh, and what Claris is about is it's a, it, it is an effort to create a robust data assimilation, quality checking, and data dissemination system. Uh, ultimately, we see this as uh, a source of observations that can then be used by the private sector and public sector to turn it into value-added road weather information. The Claris, well, I'll leave, let's leave it at that. Um, which, again, we see that as serving as a basis for anytime, anywhere road weather information. And uh, so the, the focus right now within the Claris Initiative is to build a system that um, does that, that assimilation, quality checking, and dissemination of the observation. So the objectives are to, to do that system design, uh, develop the system as designed, work with the 
public and private partners to develop and evaluate these value-added products that Claris, that the Claris system enables, and then establish partnerships to move from demonstration to deployment of a national nationwide network. So the um, and just really quickly, the status of the initiative is that we have uh, gone through working with the stakeholders, with you all. We have developed a concept of operations. We then had a contract with Mixon Hill, or have a contract with Mixon Hill to uh, design and, and build the system. We have gone through a proof of concept and are moving into regional demonstrations, which I'll talk about in a minute, uh, but before or at, at the end of uh, Ralph's presentation. So with that, let me stop and turn it over to Ralph Patterson, who is going to be speaking about the Claris Initiative from uh, the perspective of a state DOT, and, and, and in particular, Utah being one of the states that participated in the proof of concept of the Claris system. Uh, Ralph originally started with Utah DOT in the early 90s, working as an avalanche forecaster for the Highway Avalanche Safety Program. In 1999, Ralph began working for a private consulting firm as a lead meteorologist providing site-specific operational forecasts for a myriad of DOTs across the Intermountain West. During the 2002 Salt Lake City Olympics, Ralph initiated the on-site meteorologist program in the Traffic Operations Center, which ultimately led to his return to Utah DOT in 2003 as the Weather Operations and ARWIS Manager. Presently, Ralph's responsibilities include overseeing a staff of four on-site meteorologists located in the Traffic Operations Center, as well as managing the road weather information system. Currently, Ralph is on the Aurora Board, which is the uh, ARWIS Research Consortium, and sits on the Joint American Meteorological Society and Intelligent Transportation Society of America's Committee on Surface Transportation Weather. Ralph holds a Bachelor of Science degree in meteorology from the University of Utah. So with that, I would like to turn it over to Ralph. All right, thanks, Paul. Uh, thanks, everybody. Like uh, Paul says, my name is Ralph Patterson. I'm the uh, R. Wilson Weather Operations Manager for the Department of Transportation in Utah. And today we're going to just discuss a little bit about the uh, relationship with uh, Utah and the Claris program. I can move this. There we go. So I'll talk a little bit about, uh, Paul mentioned the proof of concept states, uh, a little bit about my weather operations program here in the Traffic Operations Center, uh, our uh, UDOTS, ROS, and ESS program, and we'll discuss some of the challenges of managing the data as well as quality checking, and uh, just uh, talk a little bit about the user interface and what we use and what we like to see, and then involvement and how we can all help each other out uh, here in the long run, or maybe even the short run. Well, we'll start off with the, uh, the proof of concept states. Um, as you see there, Alaska, Minnesota, and Utah were uh, recruited to take place in this proof of concept for the Claris uh, uh, system. And uh, uh, we're all members of what is the Aurora Group. Uh, this talk really briefly about the Aurora Group. It's a pool-funded uh, ARWIS research group, and it's 13 states, uh, two Canadian provinces, and the Swedish uh, Highway Authority. And... Um, the, the Aurora Group has got a lot of vested time and interest in the whole Claris initiative. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of the projects that the Aurora Group has right now um, in support of the Claris. 
Well, let's jump into uh, the, the weather operations program for UDOT. We're, uh, we're a bit unique in the DOTs across the states in that we actually have a, a staff meteorologist, myself, who uh, oversees and manages four consulting meteorologists here in the Traffic Operations Center. And the, the whole deal behind this is that UDOT is very committed uh, to increase not just the operations integrations with weather, but increasing the weather salience across the operations group, too. Um, everything we do uh, are, is affected by weather. Um, one of the other, uh, the other aspects of the weather operations group is definitely the ROS and ESS system. Now, we have a, uh, somewhere around 60-some-odd ROS and ESS sites across the state. And they're a very integral component to what we do here in the operations center. Uh, Utah has uh, invested significant resources uh, throughout the years, starting in the late 80s in ROS deployment and certainly in maintaining the system. So we, we definitely have a vested interest in um, how our uh, instrumentation is, is calibrated and how our operations folks are actually using it. Uh, one of the... Uh, just recently, we've had a study by um, you know, WTI, Western Transportation Institute, uh, that concluded that we saved the state just on the winter maintenance part alone, and only a, a small portion of that, of around $2.2 million annually. So we see the cost benefit of having a strong weather operations group and the uh, ROS uh, component as a very significant factor um, for our operations. I'm going to talk some about what our current ROS practice actually is. As you can see on this slide, we have uh, multiple, uh, multiple systems. So we have four different vendors um, that, we, uh, that support our ROS program, and uh, that adds a bit of complexity to the data uh, collection and dissemination. It's not, un it's not uh, uh, totally unruly, but it just adds another, another level. And certainly, too, with our partners, you see uh, I've listed the National Weather Service, uh, Department of Energy, uh, the Department of Agriculture, the Utah Avalanche Forecast Center, and some of the county EOCs. Now, these groups, uh, we don't share the weather forecast, but what we share here are the instrumentation. Uh, in some instances, uh, we let them uh, put instrumentation on our right-of-way, and we share the data. And in other instances, we actually uh, share the actual instrumentation itself. So when we start looking at all of our partners and our multiple vendors, it does get a little bit complex and we really need to rope everything in. So with that, uh, our data collection here, the little cartoon is just depicting that we do with four vendors, we have four collection servers. And also in our, uh, in our rack in the back room, we have our archive server, an FTP site, and then a web server. So as you can see, it, it does get sort of complex. And but again, it, it's not, uh, we can definitely manage that. It just gets a little bit interesting as we get into the different software and, and data schema programs. So again, um, you can see here the different colors uh, are, are depicting different types of schema that come out of some of our systems. And I wish it was as easy as just changing the font color and we'd all be cool. But unfortunately, the, the disparate the data sets have all sorts of challenges embedded in that. Um, for one, we have different units, uh, varying polling times, and uh, each data uh, schema is really uh, different according to different vendors. So 
Um, we take all these uh, systems, uh, ARWA systems that we have, and we try to you know, put them into one uh, GUI or graphic user, uh, or graphic user interface. So as we as we get into the the nuts and bolts of the data collection, we really found out that there's a huge need for quality control, or in this case, quality checking. Um, as you can see uh, on the uh, the picture on the right hand side of the screen, this is a uh, an example of what Mesowest University of Utah Mesowest is doing right now, very similar to what the Claris program and Mixon Hill are putting together. Um, so we need to have the quality checking for a few different user groups. And the first point, if we're looking at things in real time, in nowcasts, it's nice to know if your real observations right now are, 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 are suspect. In our group, that's not the main focus because we have our meteorologists who can look at our data and right away be able to pick if we have a you know, straight line data or something like that, that we know that's not good. But if we get this data out into the field, our field users, our, our plow drivers, our foremen, our uh, engineers, uh, they may not have that um, experience to say, oh, that's bad data right away. So we definitely need to have some sort of caution flag. And as we look into archiving the data, which we do, um, assuming that everybody is, uh, if not there, they're going there to archive the data for uh, you know, climate use, uh, certainly for uh, forensic use when you're talking about uh, uh, risk management. We do a lot of that here. And it's very difficult to go back into your archive data sets and say, oh, that's bad data, that's bad data. You have to really uh, identify that and look through all sorts of other data sets. So it's nice if we have that caution flag or suspect flag. And also, the, just uh, checking out the health of the system. If you're talking about asset management here, uh, one of the things that Nixon Hill was doing is identifying uh, which site, which instrument on which site were having some issues. So if I know that I'm having a systematic issue with uh, surface pucks or my relative humidity sensors or whatever it be, I, I can look at a glance and be able to search the system for that. That's very important, um, especially when you're dealing with a large state and it takes four or five hours to get from point A to point B. Uh, and then again, as we put all of our information on our 511 system and on our CommuterLink webpage, we certainly need to have, uh, we can't give bad data out to the public. Uh, that'll, that'll open a huge uh, Pandora's box. So we really need to have, uh, you know, the need for quality checking of the data and to have some filtration system that keeps bad data from going out, um, I, I think is very uh, in, dire, in dire need of that. So now as we look into the, the metadata aspect, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with the term, metadata is just a, a data set that describes your uh, weather stations or your ARWIS or ESS systems. And uh, this, the, uh, the cartoon on the right there is an example of how we, uh, we, we collect our metadata here in, in Utah. Um, this is one portion of the, of the data we collect. And typically we have a location, the instrument types, uh, you know, whether they're the atmospheric or the surface. Uh, what kind of communication I have to the system, what kind of power I have to the system, and other site characteristics like uh, is, it, is it in a bog, is it on top of a hill, uh, is it in a rural or urban setting. And uh, uh, pictures. Pictures are worth uh, a thousand words. It's, 
uh, you really need to have a, a good picture set. You see one small picture there, but we also do 360-degree uh, shots, and we take videos of our site, sort of a talking documentary of what, uh, what the key um, topographical features are on any given site. Um, and then your data schema, which I sort of went through earlier, you need to know what your data schema, what it means when your data comes out in and, and, and this tabular format or comma delineated. You need to know what all those units are so when you're having somebody uh, disseminate that to your, uh, to your users, they need to know what the units are or if you need to change them. A lot of our instrumentation comes in Celsius, and we need to change that to Fahrenheit. Um, and we have all kinds of, we have a, a, a wide variety of users. Some of our avalanche guys like to know, they talk about in centimeters of snow in degrees Fahrenheit. So it gets a little bit complicated. Um, not all users want the same units. So once we get the data in and once we know what the instrumentation is like and we got our, uh, uh, our quality checking going on, um, now we're coming to the really nuts and bolts. What does it look like? What do the users actually uh, see? So here's three uh, uh, sort of snapshots or screenshots of some of our uh, vendors um, uh, that uh, support our ARWIS system. So definitely we have uh, different vendors, uh, uh, and we have varying resources. And what I mean by that is some of our uh, field folks uh, are on very low bandwidth. So they may not be able to take a look at some heavy-duty graphics. They just may want tabular. Or uh, if you're out in the field and you're trying to get this on your BlackBerry, or uh, we have all sorts of different types of, of resources out there that our users are, are trying to utilize. Um, and then again, with the varying uh, polling times, uh, we may see some of ours go at uh, 10 minutes, some at 15, some at 20, and some are on the hour. So it, it, it makes it a little more complicated, and this is some of the things that uh, we really need to work on if we're going to have a usable system for the operations folks out there. So now we get really into the uh, uh, developing a user, a user interface. So um, this picture right here is something that the University of Utah does for us on their MesoWest, and it has a combination of tabular and graphical, and then you can click on the left-hand side and get the picture. Um, we're trying to put cameras on all our ARWIS sites now, so the JPEG. And then it does have some metadata that you can, if you click on it, it'll have a little map and tell you where it is. It doesn't have all the data that I support here because I'm not sure I want to give out phone numbers to the sites or IP addresses to the sites and things like that. But I can certainly give out any pertinent information to anybody who wants to use the system and they need to know uh, the downfalls of a particular siting for an ARWIS site. Now, you remember, there's no bad data, just some is more useful than others, and in order to make it useful, you need to know what the limitations are on any given uh, ARWIS site location. So with the, with, the, uh, with the Aurora Group, again, we're working on a couple different uh, research projects, uh, one that involves the Clara system. Uh, one is an ARWIS monitoring system, um, uh, it's a web application. Uh, the other one, uh, we'll be looking at uh, developing a new web interface to visualize the Clara system output. And then we have one more actually research project that's just a general broad scoping uh, uh, support of the Clara system because we see this as being very valuable, uh, this type of system is very valuable to operations. 
Um, everybody, most everybody out there has ROAS sites, but if the people that need to look at it can't see it, well, then they're just a pain in the neck because we're maintaining, uh, we're maintaining them for no reason. So, you know, I think that the, the private sector is huge on this aspect because um, I think those are the folks who will be able to spend some energy and time and hopefully we'll have a, a, uh, um, a market uh, for, for the private sector to develop better graphic user interfaces. And I'm encouraging, you know, everybody out there to sort of do this also on a regional basis. And, you know, why, why I suggest that is really that, you know, weather has no boundaries. The weather really doesn't know that, you know, Wendover is the, is the city between Nevada and Utah. It doesn't care. It just rocks through there. So it, I think it would be a, a really good thing, at least for my neck of the woods uh, out here in the Intermountain West, if, if I can see what's going on in the road systems, uh, in Idaho and uh, Oregon and ca uh, California and Nevada, and it's coming my way, I, I have a better idea of what that storm's doing right now so I can give better information to uh, my plow drivers and uh, my engineers who are looking at our information. So that sort of leads us into getting involved. Uh, certainly on the state DOT, um, since most of you, uh, there, were, there were quite a few state DOTs online, I'm assuming that uh, this is a good start if you haven't already got involved in trying to, uh, you know, partner up or sort of set the stage for the industry. Um, we need to, we need as, a, as state DOTs, we need to let the private industry know what, what we need. And uh, something like the Claris system, and these sorts of talks are a good way to do that. Uh, certainly the Aurora Group, I encourage you all to, this is my pitch again for the Aurora Group, to come on in. It's, uh, uh, we, uh, we meet a few times a year and a few uh, phone calls on top of that and really discuss our, our state's individual needs and come up with our research programs for that. So whether you're a state DOT or a private sector, the Claris workshops that uh, Paul and his staff put on, that's a, that's a great place to go in there and just voice your opinion and, and uh, sort of network in between not just the state DOTs uh, or the Canadian provinces or the, or the private sector. So it's a good place for everybody to get together, but we need to voice what you, you folks need out there because UDOT's needs are specific, and I'm sure the other DOT needs have some specifics uh, that nobody else shares, or maybe we could get ideas from each other. So, again, regional partnering, I really would like to do a little more of this. We talk a little bit with our surrounding states, but I'd like to do a little bit more on a formal uh, aspect uh, because, again, like I said, weather has no boundaries, and I think it would be good to know what's coming um, what's coming down the pike into us and we can share what's going into Colorado I think it's just a good thing good thing overall so with that uh, this is some contact information for myself if you would like to give me a shout or send me an email or just to see what we do or tell us we're doing it wrong that's okay uh, and again the Aurora group if you want to look into it here's the uh, the web page uh, for the Aurora group and um, I believe uh, that's about all I have planned for today. So I think I'm going to turn it back over to you, Paul. Great. Thanks, Ralph. Uh, and, and I noticed that um, 
that uh, a couple of questions have come up and some have been answered, and, and all of those questions will be addressed again at the end of this session after we hear from all of our speakers. Uh, but back to what Ralph, I mean, I think Ralph just gave you a really great uh, picture of what's happening in Utah with regards to RWIS. Uh, I think they raised the bar in terms of what a state can do, uh, and a lot of what we're doing with respect to Claris and this whole idea of assimilating, quality checking, making available uh, can be traced back to a lot of the things that, that Ralph has done uh, there in Utah. And the whole point then is to say, okay, how do we take what's happening here and uh, carry that uh, across the country so that uh, the people who need the information, whether you're in Utah or Nevada or Massachusetts, can get to the information in, in, it's in, in an easy-to-use format and understandable and, and know that what you're seeing is good. So uh, this is certainly a key uh, state as far as uh, what, where we can be going and what, what we can do. And I think it all it comes back to the point that Ralph made earlier, that uh, a recent study that they conducted shows that, that it pays off, that the uh, expenses that, are, that they are putting out to build the system and utilize the system pay off more than, uh, more than, than the, uh, the cost themselves. Uh, another point that Ralph talked about was metadata. That's something else that we have learned through the Claris system is really critical to being able to uh, make good use of the data and, we can, and look to uh, build upon collecting that metadata and, and feeding it into the system. Um, and as Ralph mentioned, and as I, as I talked about earlier, we did, we did a proof of concept of the Claris system. And the Claris system is the software that does the assimilation quality checking and, this, and dissemination of these OBS, and we worked with Minnesota, Utah, and Alaska to, to prove that we could do this uh, with more than, than just one state's data, and um, what we are doing now with respect to the Claris initiative is to move from that, uh, the proof of concept and doing the, 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 uh, the processing that I spoke of into a regional demonstration or regional demonstrations. And the objective of, of our regional demonstrations are to show that the Claris system works as designed and that we can take uh, multiple states uh, to contribute the data into the Claris system uh, and that it can support proactive transportation system management so that uh, public agencies can better manage their system, whether that's for winter maintenance, traffic management, emergency management, travel information, any um, type of service that the state provides that they can do, uh, do it more effectively when using the data uh, that comes through Claris. And that we also want to see improved private sector services for road weather information, uh, the types of information that the private sector may be able to, be able to provide to individual drivers. So uh, we have laid out three main steps to our regional demonstrations. The first uh, was a request for applications that we issued uh, back in September looking for applications from groups of states and or Canadian provinces to develop uh, concepts of operations that define a common set of business to government services. These are the proactive management strategies I was talking about. Um, in addition to the, this request for applications, we will be issuing a request for expressions of interest which is an opportunity for states that are not participating in the, uh, through the RFA awards to also uh, provide data into Claris and use, data, use the data. 
and then um, a the third part is a request for proposals that will go out to the private sector to build uh, one or more of the concepts of operations that come out of the request for applications. Um, I really, really wish that at this time I could tell you who the awardees are, award recipients are for the request for applications. I honestly thought that it would have been done by now, uh, but uh, the wheels of progress turn slowly in the federal government, and we're still in the process of making those awards, so I can't say anything else about them at this time. The, uh, if any of you have been to our Claris, uh workshops that, that Ralph talked about, the Initiative Coordinating Committee meetings, uh, you have seen this slide before. This is our way of, of making the point that, that the Claris system is all about working with the observations, but it's the unlimited possibilities that fall out of that that we see as the real benefit of Claris, and that's all of the uh, opportunities to provide better road weather information through uh, any number of uh, decision support systems and other means of information dissemination. Again, our thanks to the National Transportation Operations Coalition for their permission to bring this webcast to you. If you would like to contact the speakers and don't have their email addresses, use the Contact Me button or leave me a message at 206 309 or five, and I will forward your message to them. Thanks for listening, and so long for now.